Well, today we're going to finish up our series. It's called In the Wilderness. If you'd like to access any of the discussion questions that we use during uh, our connect groups, and thank you for the ones that said, hey, is there a connect group for me? I said, yes, any of them except the women's because you're a man. And so uh, come on Wednesday, 630 for the connect groups. But if you want to access those, they're access accessible through the weekly e-update. It's just a, a, a little newsletter thing that we send out every week. You can, you can sign up for that using the connect card right there in the chair in front of you. Put it in one of the connect boxes out in the hallway. And uh, we'll make sure that you get on that uh, list for that email to go out. I want to remind you, and I shared this the first couple of weeks uh, in my message, but the very definition of the word uh, wilderness is inhospitable. It's an uncultivated region. It's uninhabited. It's desolate. It's a wasteland. And it really symbolically represents a place of disfavor. Um, And so it doesn't sound like a very positive place. But our wilderness experience is really, for, for most of us, we, we'd have to say it's a season of time rather than a location. Although some seasons of time in our life, we can um, sort of attach that to a location. And so the two sort of become synonymous, but, but it's really about a period of time in our lives. And today what I want to do is I want to, to take a look at an Old Testament character who understood what it was to live in the wilderness. He understood what it was to go through seasons of time in the wilderness. And he was also one of the authors of of, of quite a few Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to look at Psalm 57. It's a little bit of a longer portion, but if you would follow it along as as I read it. Psalm 57, the author here is a man named David. He writes this, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love. Reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This morning, I want to share three things that David did that I think you and I can implement in our lives 
while we're going through a wilderness experience. And you're going to hear me use wilderness and cave interchangeably throughout this message. But you might be going through a time of wilderness or a time when you feel like you're in a dark cave and we can begin to implement these things in our lives. And I believe God is going to do great things. Number one is this. It sounds maybe a little bit obvious, but cry out to God. Cry out to God. I want you to see this. David was accustomed to living in the wilderness during his lifetime. Do you realize that when, when David was a boy, David, um, he, didn't, he didn't sleep in his father's house, okay, the way most of us did growing up, and then do chores during the day. David's chores were out in the wilderness taking care of the sheep. So David lived out in the wilderness. In fact, David says, when I was a boy, when I tended my father's sheep, the lion or the bear would attack the sheep and grab them, and I would literally seize that, that wild animal by the hair and strike it and kill it and rescue the sheep, okay? That's not happening in your backyard in Marquette, all right, when you're mowing the lawn. We're talking about living in the wilderness. So from the time of his youth, he understood what it was to spend long seasons of time in the wilderness. But then he grew up, and we see that as a young man, his popularity became so great that King Saul became jealous, tried to kill him, and so he fled from the king. And so he found himself... In a cave. In fact, he saw himself in numerous, found himself in numerous caves. One was called the Cave of Adullam. And this was sort of the home away from home for David. This was the place that he would go when he needed to flee from the king. Quite often we read about it in 1 Samuel 22, his long term hideout. But then there was a cave that was near the crags of the wild goats. And chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, where he hid again from Saul. And this one was a very near miss where, where Saul literally came into that cave. I'll talk about it in a second and almost found David there. Then there was an unnamed cave later in 2 Samuel chapter 17 where David hid from his son Absalom who was trying to overthrow him and take over the king, uh, the king role there in Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot about caves, okay? I, I think the, the art of cave um, searching, isn't that called spelunking? Isn't that what that's called? I'm not what you'd call a spelunker, okay? Um, but when I, uh, this, was, I, I, this was around 20 years ago, um, my folks said, hey, let's go on a, a vacation together. And they just picked Virginia out of the blue. And uh, there was a, a, a place that we went to stay there. And one of the things that we decided to do um, was we wanted to take our kids to the Shenandoah Caverns. And so, um, and my wife's all about on vacation. You got to go see stuff, okay? I'm a little bit more sit around the campfire. She's like, we're getting in the car and we're going to these sites, okay? So we we drove to the, and it's basically it looked like a, a it looked like a a house, and that was the entrance to the cave. And so you go into this house, and they take you uh, down this cave. Now this particular cave was discovered in the late 1800s. 
and the, the, the railroad was coming across the southern part of the U.S., and, and this landowner, this farmer, was approached by the railroad, hey, can we dig limestone out of your, your land? We see that there's limestone, there's evidence of limestone, we need it so that we can uh, do the railroad, and so the farmer made a deal, and they came, and they started to dig and, and find limestone, and on the weekend, on Sunday, his boys were out messing around the way boys would do uh, when you grow up on a farm, and so they're out there, and the boys are checking stuff out, and they see a hole, and they feel cold air coming out of this hole, and so they started to kind of poke around a little bit, and they realized that this hole had some depth to it, and so they run back to the farm, and there's one thing you got to know about a farm. You can find or make rope out of anything, okay? My favorite is baler twine, but they went and got a lot of rope. I imagine they got baler twine. They, they got candles, and they decided they were going to figure out how deep this hole was. And so I, I, can you imagine the, the moment they tried to decide who was actually going to go down in that hole? <laughs> you know, well, mom, dad love you better, so you better stay up here. No, they, they decided, and, and one of them starts to lower the other one down the hole with a candle. They got so deep, the candle started going out. 275 feet can you, they were so scared, they never even told their parents about it for a long time. That, that cavern, they, now they take you down in that cavern. They get you 275 feet down there. And they take you, it's, it's pretty, it's a, it, there's like a mile of underground um, distance under. They take you, they show you this underground lake. They show you bacon strips. Who knew that bacon strips grew underground? It's the best tour you've ever been on. You just, you know, it's bacon strips. And then all of a sudden, they do something that's a little unfair. They turn the lights out on you. You are 275 feet underground, and you're going, can't see, can't see, can't see. This is bad. And fortunately, they only do it for a couple of seconds because I think people would really start to panic. If you heard somebody, like, flicking the switch back and forth a whole lot, uh, something's wrong here. You know, people would just start going crazy. Um, but I, I think of that, how dark that experience would be when you can't see anything. David is in a place, and, and I think it's interesting, the cave is always 56 degrees. Year-round, 56 degrees. David's in a cave. It's, in the summertime, it probably seems damp and cold. In the wintertime, it probably seems warm. But you know what? It's, it's that, that place of darkness. It's that place of, of really being out of the way. And David's his cave experiences, they were not enjoyable, certainly, but they were things that, that helped to shape his life to become the man that God wanted him to be. And he writes Psalm 57, and he's sitting in that dark day cold cave and he's thinking about everything that's happened in his life he thinks about the prophet Samuel coming to his home while he was still a boy and anointing him as the next king of Israel he remembers that day on the battlefield when he stood up to the giant named Goliath and he picked the stones out of the brook 
And he took that first stone and he slung it and he sunk it into the forehead of the giant and he went up to that giant and he cut his head off. And that day Israel won a great victory over the Philistines. He remembered all of these things. But yet now... He's being chased. He's been a successful military leader in the kingdom. He's risen to the position of general. He was the best that they had, and now he's being chased by the king. The king is trying to kill him. In 1 Samuel 24, King Saul tracks David into the desert of Angedi with 3,000 troops. David has 400 men that are with him, and they're hiding in the cave, that cave, unnamed place. And Saul and his army come by and Saul decides, you know what, I need to use the restroom. He said, there's a cave, I'm gonna go in that cave and I'm gonna use the restroom and it's the same cave that David and his men were hiding in. So the king goes in that cave and I imagine that he, he took his robe off and set it to the side so he could find a place to relieve himself, and in the darkness of that cave, David's men said, we got him. We're gonna take out the king. And David whispered to them, nope, touch not the Lord's anointed. But David went up to the, to the, the king's robe, and he, he sliced off a little piece of that robe to make a point that he could have taken Saul's life had he wanted to. Think of that that experience that he had. David is writing in Psalm 57. He could have taken matters in his own hand and he writes here in Psalm 57 from the perspective of the caves that he was so accustomed to. And he could have, he could have said, I'm gonna do what I need to do because after all, God is, he's anointed me as the new leader. Why not? Why not take matters into my own hands? But instead, he cries out to God for help. Look at Psalm 34, another passage from the book of Psalms. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears their attentive cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Our temptation when we're in the wilderness, when we're in the cave, is, you know, we should just take care of it. Or maybe we decide we're just going to complain about it. Or we decide we're going to blame other people about it. Or we're going to feel sorry for ourselves. But instead of those things, why not begin to cry out for God for help? Ask him, God, would you hear my cry? Because the Bible says that his ears are attentive. The Bible says that his arm is not short. His arm is not weak. He can reach you where you are. And he can deliver you in your cave. Cry out. I, I want you to remember that. Cry out this week. If you're in a wilderness, I want you to remember, you know what? Instead of taking matters in my own hand, instead of complaining or blaming, I am going to cry out to God for deliverance. I'm going to ask him to get me out of this cave that I feel like I'm in. He is able to save you. And number two is to break out in worship. I think this is really important. You see, David is not living in denial He's not saying that everything is peachy. You know, don't you love people like that? You know, they're going through a, good, a, a really hard time and they, they, oh yeah, nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. 
You're like, dude, are you, are you literally, are you in denial? You don't understand what's happening in your own life? It's, it's, it's okay to acknowledge what's going on. We don't have to, to live in denial and say everything is okay. David was being hotly pursued, the scripture says, by those who want to kill him. He was forced to live among those who wanted to tear him apart like wild animals. Remember Goliath, he defeated Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine and David had to actually go and live among the enemy, among the Philistines. In fact, David became sort of a mercenary for hire for the Philistines. He had to live among people that were his enemy. His own country wanted to kill him. He lived in a, in a, among people that wanted to tear him apart. Everyone was against him. Even their words brought him pain. But I want you to notice in the midst of these These are like journal entries. That's what I envision them as, as David is writing. In the midst of these entries, these cave experiences, something happens. And in the darkness of the cave, David begins to break out in spontaneous worship to the Lord. This is big. You're like, are you kidding me? Kevin, do you not realize what I'm telling you about my life, about my wilderness? No, I, I, it's, it's not mine. I can't totally identify with it. But in the midst of it, break out in worship. I want to explain this just a little bit. The Bible doesn't say that when David realized that he was in the wilderness, he's in the cave, that he went to church. Some of us, that's, that's what we do because that's what we know to do. We got to go and we got to get around. We got to get around where God is. Do you know what I'm saying? I got this crazy thought, I, I, I'll just make it brief, but years ago when I served at a church in Milwaukee, a guy wanted to die in the presence of God, and so he backed his car up as far away from the front door as he could, and he drove through the main doors of the church. He literally envisioned himself dying on the altar close to God, but he hit a post, and it kept him from getting into the sanctuary. Sometimes all we know to do is just get around where, where we've been told God is. But I want you to understand something. This idea of breaking out in worship in the midst of the darkness. David, he breaks out in worship. He, he, I, maybe he reached and grabbed a musical instrument. David was very musical. Maybe he did that. He, he couldn't turn on Spotify and look for, you know, he couldn't look for Jesus culture. You know, he couldn't look for, uh, for any other really good worship bands um, to listen to. So he had to, he had to just begin to declare it. He had to make it up himself. But he, he begins to worship. He begins to speak and write. And I want you to see something. He goes back and forth. He goes back and forth between crying out to God and worshiping. I mean, like he is schizophrenic. He says, he starts out, Lord, they're trying to kill me. And then he's like, God, you're so amazing. You're so, oh, I I worship you. You are, you are, God, they're trying to kill. And he literally, he goes back and forth. Listen, there are days when you're not going to be able to hold it together all day. I have a friend that I've been, I, I, we, we talk 
quite often, and, and I'm, I'm mentoring him through a particular time in his life, and, and one morning we talked, and he's like, he's like, man, I, God spoke to me this morning during my prayer time. I, I know I am hearing the word of the Lord for my life, and by late afternoon, it was all gone. It was like, everything's, just throw it all in the garbage. It's, it's not going to work. I, I could not believe how fast he went from hearing from God to absolutely nothing is going to work. That's the way it is sometimes in our life. And even in the times when we think it's all, it's all going down the toilet, those are the times when we need to break forth into worship. We need to declare his praise. We need to really seek him, begin to worship him. The point is that David was going back and forth. He's not the only one. We read about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They were arrested. They were thrown into the stocks. They were in the innermost cell, and, and they've, been, they've been whipped and beaten. They, their backs are literally just shredded from the whip. And what did they decide to do? They decided to begin to sing and worship the Lord. And the Bible says that everybody heard them. The Bible says that God sent an earthquake and the doors flew open and their chains came off. God moves in the midst of our wilderness when we break forth into praise. And the world may be trying to destroy you. You may have good days and bad days. You may have ups and downs, but I want you to know that God is still on the throne and he is worthy to be praised and worthy to be glorified. And we need to lift up his name. Man, it would be easy it would have been easy for Paul to just look at the negative, to complain, maybe even to want, to want revenge. But you know what? It's, they began to worship. You say, man, I don't know if I could do that. I want you to get, this is the same Paul. This is the same guy that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 28, talks about his anxiety. Anxiety is a real thing. I know that some of you battle anxiety. Paul says, I, I, I'm so, I have so much anxiety over this particular issue. And yet after getting beaten and whipped, he's able to worship. Why? Because we're going to go back and forth. We're going to have good days and bad days. But in the midst of it, let's break out into worship, no matter how dark that cave may be. And number three, let's reach out to others. I'm sure that during David's season of wilderness and cave, he wondered about his purpose. He probably asked himself, God, why did you ever send the prophet Samuel to anoint me as the next king? Why did you ever allow me to defeat Goliath if I'm just going to sit here in this cave? Why did you give me so much military success? What is your purpose for me? I'm sure that during your season of wilderness, you're probably asking God a lot of questions. God, why? Why did you do this? Why did you gift me this way? What are you doing in my life? Why am I going through this? Maybe what you need to do is to break out into spontaneous worship, and maybe you already have, and you're still wondering to yourself, going back and forth between crying out to God and worshiping him. And while David was in the wilderness, while he was in the cave, something else happened. People began to reach out to him. They began to connect with him. 
1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2, it says this, All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. That's a pretty good group of people, isn't it? How'd you like to have that as your group of followers? <laughs> huh? They're, they're in distress, they're in debt, they're discontented. I mean, that's got to be a positive group. How'd you like to have a staff meeting with those people? All right, guys. And they're, I mean, it would be, it'd be bad. But what did they do? They gathered around him and he became their commander. There was about 400 of them, the Bible says. So in the midst of the dark cave that David was in, people started gathering to him. He started reaching those that were in the same cave that he was. Now, I've got to tell you something, and you need, you need to get this, okay? David didn't go looking for these people. They were just in the similar wilderness of him that he was. They heard where he was living. They were drawn to him. And I want you to ask yourself, is it possible that God has you where you are so that you will draw other people just like you to him? Is that possible? I, I really think that it is. And I want you to understand I want you to understand that God knows what he's doing in our lives. And he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to reach those who are wandering the wilderness away, from, apart from him. They're away from him and he wants to use you. Back to Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. There's this earthquake. They could have walked out of prison. The jailer comes in and he's going to kill himself. Paul says, wait a minute. Don't do that. Everybody's here. Everybody's accounted for. We're not going anywhere. And that jailer in chapter 16 of Acts, he calls for the lights. He falls down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Not only the jailer got saved, but his entire family. And how many other people that worked in the jail, how many of them do you think came to know Jesus after this miraculous experience? I'm guessing probably a bunch of them. God wants to use you. He wants to use me to minister to other people that are going through a similar wilderness or cave experience. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those that love God. God wants to use you to reach and minister to those who are right alongside of you. God is at work in the darkness of your cave, preparing you to touch other people's lives. Remember I said that David, all those discontented in death, those, I mean, that motley crew that was drawn to him, do you know who they became? They became known as David's mighty men of valor. Mm. You know, we read the story of Goliath, David and Goliath. David picked up six stones, right? People say, why, why five stones? Was it five? Five stones. Do you know why he picked up five stones? Goliath had four brothers. Guess who killed Goliath's four brothers? Four of the guys that were David's mighty men of valor became giant killers. 
So in the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of the darkness of your cave, God has a plan for you to reach someone else who's in that wilderness, someone else who's in that cave, and they are a potential giant killer. Come on. He wants us to reach out. He wants us to reach out and touch the lives of others. It's time for us to look around and see who else God wants to free and call to serve him. So let me ask you this. What, what cave are you living in today? You say, I don't know, but it's black. It's bad. Well, God has a plan for you. We got to cry out. God, God, they're, they're, the whole world is against me. Man, they are trying to knock me down. They are trying to destroy my life. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I worship you. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to cry out and we're going to worship. And then we're going to reach out. God, you don't understand. It's like living in an outhouse here. Blessed be your name, Lord. I worship you. I praise you. And then reach out to those that are there in the cave with you. So as we close this morning, this is it. The whole, this whole month has been about wilderness, okay? And I believe that there are some people that are here right now, and you, you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is talking to you right now. He's even said, you know he's talking about you, right? Now, I don't know that I'm talking about you, but the Holy Spirit knows that, and you know that. And as we close this service, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to do something that maybe you've never done before. I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. If, you're, if you are... You know you're in that wilderness experience, that cave experience. I don't know what it is. I don't know any of the details, but God does. But he wants you to begin to cry out to him today like never before. He wants you to break out, and he wants you to reach out. This is easy to remember, guys. Cry out, break out, and reach out. And he wants you to begin to do it today. He wants you to begin that crying out even now. God, in the midst of the darkness of my cave, I cry out to you. I break out in worship, and I'll reach out. I want you to stand with me all across this place. Let's stand. The team is going to lead us, and as they do, I don't, if you're going through a time of wilderness, do not wait. Do not, don't, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I want you to begin to move immediately and find a place here at this altar. And I want you to begin to cry out. And I want you to begin to break out and then determine that you're going to reach out. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that in the next few moments there are men and women that are going to, they're going to sense your presence in a new way. They've been in a dry period. They've been in a dark period. They've been in a place that has been inhospitable and unfriendly and you are calling them to begin to cry out to you. Father, I pray. I pray as they begin to come I pray, move in their heart by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. 
in Jesus' name.